It's time to swing into the golf world of today. I don't think I've had this much fun on a golf show. The Pro Show with Keith Stewart, sponsored by TaylorMade. Terrific voice, and you have enthusiasm. Now your host, the director of fun. Give me that guy all day, he's the best. Keith Stewart. Good afternoon and welcome to The Pro Show. I'm your host, Keith Stewart. Thank you for tuning in to ESPN 920. Today's extravaganza of an episode plans to be purely entertaining. Two of the biggest personalities in the history of the game have been providing some endless material this week. I've got a true visionary to interview, and who knows what else we'll get into. So let's go, Wade. We've got lots to cover. Hit it, Flea. It's a Friday afternoon, and thankfully the last one in February there, Mr. Wade Weezer, because the weather today is just awful. You know, like this kind of a unpredictably icy, raining 70 degrees two days ago? Oh, man, I tell you. You know, I, I've got, I mean, February has been very rewarding to the pro show. We've had some great guests and some unbelievable stories, and uh, it seems to be going out like a lion or um, a shark or whatever you want to call it. Um, more on that in a minute, but... Uh, <laughs> the weather's just awful, my friend. It stinks. You know, um, I know you'll have some sort of celebr- celebr- celebratory. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Strike that reverse. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's been one of those weeks, too. But I know you'll have uh, some sort of celebratory um, sound effect ready when I tell you that. Did you know that today is our 200th episode? Wow. Of the pro show? Look at that. 200. Yeah. I did not know that. I don't feel a day past 189. No, not, you don't look it either. You know, I don't. Not not at all. Not at all. And, you know, when it comes to things like all that's going on in the world of the pro show or read the line, uh, we've had a busy week. You know, I, earlier in the week, WFAN fan, um, fame, Ann Liguori. Oh. Remember Ann? Sure do. Yep. Sure you know, do. she's still doing her thing for the fan, and she's also doing interviews for uh, Sports Illustrated, et cetera, et cetera. And she interviewed me this week to talk about a PGA Pro's journey towards Read the Line. Um, really cool story. That is cool. Yeah, it was great. And uh, the interest level was super high from her people. And um, we put a little podcast together, so you can go find that um, under uh, SI's Morning Read, which is the kind of their golf division, which is kind of cool. Very cool. And like then uh, Wednesday night, I was on Sirius XM with my friend Chantel McCabe uh, talking about Phil and previewing the Honda and doing some picks and stuff Phil, like that. Phil who? Yeah, Phil. Exactly. We might be saying that in about six, <laughs> six weeks. Phil who? Um, we might be saying that this afternoon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So you, you, you obviously, we all know what's going on here, folks. Uh, Phil and Greg Norman have been uh, heating up the um, content waves this week with all sorts of material. So we are, we're going to get to them. Um, I know everyone knows at some point they want to hear my take on that. And I gave a fun one on Sirius XM the other night and, and we'll talk more about that. But uh, the weekly update is going to be sponsored by um, Live Golf Enterprises. <laughs> okay. For sure. <laughs> um, speaking of sponsored by, you know, read the line. I had a really cool interview this week for the celebrity guest picker. I had Dan Quinn the former NHLer, right? Okay. 700 career points. But, um, you know, people always are like, you're like, well, how do you come up with these people or whatever? I said, well, Dan Quinn, not being an, you know, being an NHL guy or whatever, but after he got done with hockey, he got really into golf. He caddied for Ernie Els, 
back well, in the day right? for yeah. a couple of years. He's caddied in every major. He's caddied in the Honda a bunch of times, which is why I brought him on this week to you know go Honda, through and sure. preview the Honda. And uh, he's won the Celebrity Tahoe Championship. I think it's the American Century Celebrity Championships. Any other words you can fit with a C in there? Yeah. <laughs> um, he's won that five times. So he, he was cool. He was cool. That's, that's great. And personally, one of my... Um, most favorite pieces of news for the week, you know, and I'm, he usually listens on a Friday afternoon and I know he's got nothing going on, but my boy down in Atlanta, graduate of Georgia tech, Will Dixon uh, of golf fame, now a professional golfer. Well, yesterday he pulled out a victory, his first professional victory. Yeah. I think it's his fifth tournament. Yeah. So I'm sure he's out there somewhere in, in golf land listening to me right now. So congratulations, Will. Uh, I'm super proud of you, bud. It, you know, I, it's... Well, what time is it in Atlanta? Can we, maybe we can call him. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, he won in a playoff. He might... Well, it's in the afternoon. Who knows? I mean, he should be celebrating. It's happy hour time. But uh, congrats to Will Dixon. He won on the G Pro Tour, um, which is a fancy sponsor name for the tour that's like underneath the uh, PGA tour, like Latin American or Canadian tours. So okay. it's a good feeder tour and uh, really strong field. He won in a three hole playoff and uh, congratulations to him. And I'm super happy for him. Uh, one of the things that I, I certainly want to mention, I'm thinking a lot about our country these days. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't want to disregard the fact that there's a lot going on in the world as we come on here and we try to entertain people with our right. pop culture golf take. So just a quick PSA on behalf of Wade Weezer and myself, everybody, and the pro show. We just want you to know that we're thinking of everyone that's involved with all the decision-making and the leadership that's going on in our world. And we wish them the best. And we hope that you know you help us continue our ability to come on every Friday afternoon and do these fun things. And speaking of fun, hey man, this is the we're the distraction. We, we are, are the distraction. Yes, yes. And um, it's it's important to I know it's important to you. It's important to me. And we just want everyone that's out there deciding what to do to uh, have the grace of thoughtfulness and everything else in their mind in the forefront of what they're doing. Hundred percent. Richard Franklin is a cool dude. Right, he's a visionary, and he's the guy that we're going to talk to this afternoon. He is the guy that invented Discover Golf, and it is this really, really vanguard junior golf program that's sweeping across the country. I met him at the PGA show. It's taken us a little while to get together, but I have to talk to him on air, and I got to let all the people out there, my operators, my parents, and everyone that listens week in and week out, know about Discover Golf because it's really cool. So, the um. Honda Classic is taking place, my friend. Mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And um, what do we got? Hang on. All right, here. Uh, Are you playing with your phone? Yeah, well, you know, um, people should know better. Uh, all right, do me a favor. Okay. Text. <clears throat> here, take my phone and text. You could text me that number. Yeah, uh, text, <laughs> text the station number okay. to this person. All right. There you go. All right. So Honda Classic Field. Here we go. We had after round one, we have Kurt Katayama. He shot 64, which is pretty good there on the champ course, considering that the average score yesterday was plus one. And he was followed up very quickly by a group at minus five. Daniel Berger leading the way there, one of the tournament favorites, my one and done pick for the week. So I was very happy to see that. He played very well. Chris Kirk, minus five. And then the outfit of the day went to Rory Sabatini. Uh, born in South Africa, but he now plays for Slovakia. I still can't figure that one out. But, I mean, he looked like a retired stockbroker or something. He had white pants on. He had on this, like, palm leaf 
aqua shirt on and then a Panama Jack hat. You know, and I mean, he's not 65 years old. Right. This isn't the Champions Tour. A classic. Um, good group uh, at two under Horschel, Kepka, Cam Young, even Shane Lowry, Patrick Reed, Joaquin Neiman, winner last week. A um, couple guys struggling. Sung J M plus four. Uh, Louis Oosthuizen plus five. You know, I love to talk about this. The uh, average score for the field was about one over par. And we had 42 guys that were just under par yesterday in a field of 144, which is very unlike uh, especially considering the conditions. I mean, for the eighth straight week on the PGA Tour, we've had perfect weather for these guys to play in. And uh, we are back in Florida, so we got to adjust to East Coast time. They're out doing their thing, and they're in the middle of the second round this afternoon, um, and they're adjusting their games to the humidity and, and the Florida grasses and so on and so forth. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, then we are going to talk about, because uh, when we talk about the PGA Tour, hey. they had a big meeting. Well, hey, hey, hey. Uh, <laughs> What? What do you got? We got we we have the phone call from we have a special guest. We have a phone call. We do. All right. Well, let's see who it is. Keith. Good afternoon. How are you? Hey, Will Dixon. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Man, one heck of an afternoon yesterday. No doubt about that. Congrats on your first professional victory. Yeah. Thank you. You know, it was uh, it was great to finally pull out a win. It's been a long time coming. Well, you know what? Hard work gets rewarded, and uh, then nobody knows how how hard you work more than me. And uh, man, I couldn't be more proud of you. Winning the G Pro Daytona Open, you know, for uh, for everyone that's listening out there. Let me pull this up real quick here. Um, 67, 68, 67, a little fourteen under tournament. Um, take me, take my listeners. We lo- we love a good um, in the action story. So take my listeners down, like maybe the last two or three holes in regulation, because I know you went into a playoff too. Um, what were you thinking? Because again, this is your first pro victory. Yeah, you know, I started off really well. Um, yeah, I got it to like four or five under after ten holes, and I just. You know, I'm I'm entering the live scoring on my phone um, so that you all can track me online, and so I can see the leaderboard um, every time you know I, I enter in my scores. And so, you know, I kind of knew where everybody else was, and um, that's just that's a different dynamic all in itself, just knowing what everybody else is doing. Um, but you know, I knew I had the lead. After, you know, 10 or 11 holes, I think I was up by a shot over everybody else. And, you know, I was just trying to give myself the best opportunities possible. I had a ton of birdie chances coming down the stretch and and just couldn't really get one to fall late. But, you know, it it ended up that uh, my putter got hot in the playoffs and, um, you know, ended up pulling out the win. So it was just so awesome to get it done. And, um, you know, it, it feels great. So. All right, let's jump to the playoff then. Uh, how many holes? And um, give us a quick play-by-play. Unless it was like twenty holes, then you know. <laughs> yeah, then paraphrase. No, it, it was. It was three holes. Um, you know, I signed our scorecards, and like five minutes later, was back out to the 18th tee box. Um, you know, Jacob Solomon, who was in the playoff with me, is a great player from Auburn. But um, yeah, it was just the two of us, and um, 18. We both made kind of routine pars and then we went back to 18 again and uh jacob hit first he hit probably a 160 yard shot to like looked like it was about a foot it was probably about two or three feet um and i was second to play so i knew i had to make birdie 
And it had a good shot to like 15, 20 feet, um, but knew I had to make the putt. So, you know, just one of those times where it's like, all right, here we go. You know, you got to make a putt. And was I, I felt really comfortable over it, um, made it. And then he obviously made his little tap in. And so we went to the third playoff hole, uh, which was the 17th hole at LPGA Inter- International. And um, it's pretty long par four. It's like 420, 430. And he had about 40 feet for birdie, and I had about 20 feet. And he he kind of hit his by about six or seven feet. And so that kind of freed me up to just feel really good about my line and, and my putt. And and it was awesome. I, I was about three feet left. I, I kind of knew it was going to go in and start, started almost walking it in. And it was just such a good feeling to, to see that putt go down and, and know that I, uh, you know, won my first professional event so it was just it was awesome man that's unbelievable i'm i'm so happy you got to share the story with me on air because i haven't heard that yet i know we couldn't connect yesterday right away so it's uh uh, oh man um i am smiling ear to ear so speaking of that you know my emotion and hearing all of that you know what were you thinking you know, after you sign your card and you take the pictures and everything, and then you walk back out to the parking lot and you load your bag in your trunk and you're like, Hey, all right, I probably got to drive like four or five hours back to Atlanta or something, wherever you were going, like you get in the car, you're by yourself. I mean, golf is an individual game. You practice by yourself, you know, you do all these things, you know, what, like what was going through your mind at that point? Well, uh, you know, I'm just so fortunate to be able to have some really, really good friends uh, and family back home. Um, you know, my, my friends from college who are still in Atlanta, um, my phone was, was ringing off the hook, and I just couldn't really get back to everyone uh, right away. It was, it was just, I knew I had people that were texting me and calling me, and it was just so awesome um, that everyone could follow with the live scoring so that they knew uh, what happened. And so, you know, I was just kind of flooded with some messages and some calls and, you know, um, it was just so great. I kind of occupied my, my time in the car pretty well. So, um, you know, they, they, some of my best friends have supported me, you know, when I struggled for a while and they've been there through the thick and thin. So, um, just very fortunate to have some really, really good, you know, support systems around me and um was able to share you know in that moment sort of my emotions and everything with them so just just really glad that that i was able to pull it out hey will there's there's one adage in life that always holds true and that's good things happen to good people my friend and uh you and i have been together for 15 years so if if anyone knows what a good person Will Dixon is. It's certainly me. Now, my listeners here are always hearing about your exploits and what you're up to and what you're winning or what you're doing. And, uh, you know, they may want to keep tabs on you going forward uh, as you progress towards the Corn Ferry Tour and then further on to the PGA Tour. So how can we keep in touch with Will Dixon? How can we follow you? You on social media? What do you do? Yeah. So, you know, I'm on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, It's at Will underscore Dixon GT. Um, feel free to shoot me a follow there. Um, and then, you know, feel free to hand out my information. If someone wants to text me or call me, I'm always available. Hopefully try and get back to everyone. Um, you know, I just love being able to talk to people and, um, you know, I'm very thankful for everyone that's been able to help and and follow my journey. So we're, uh, we're just getting started. 
So this is this is a long road ahead, and this is just the first step. So um, I'm looking forward to it. All right, I'm going to put my coaching hat on for a second then. You mentioned that. So why don't you share with the listeners maybe one or two of your goals for 2022? So as they follow along, they can say, oh, wow, you know, we'll achieve that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so by the end of 2022, you know, I want to be able to say that uh, I have a, you know, a corn ferry tour card. Um, and that entails a lot. You know, being, having status on the corn ferry tour uh, is a big deal. It's the stepping stone to the PGA Tour. So, and there's a couple ways to get there. First would be through Q School, which is in the fall. Um, there's three stages, and you just got to play well for about three or four weeks in a row and, and get through that. But there's also Monday qualifiers. Each Corn Ferry event has a Monday qualifier, and I'll be doing lots of those throughout the year. Um, you know, if you Monday qualify and get into a tournament in top 25 that week, you know, you move on to the next event. So that's a great way to get some experience out there. And if you play well, you know, anything can happen. You can go from no status to a lot of status in a few weeks. Um, so it's going to be great. It's going to be great to go to some, some new states. I got Louisiana and Alabama coming up from Corn Ferry Mondays. And, um, you know, it, it's just going to be just going to be a long road. But I'm looking forward to, to everything that comes my way. Hey, man. When it comes to that long road, you know who's riding shotgun with you. It's me right here. So I appreciate you calling in. This is awesome. Uh, you know, we didn't get to catch up. So um, this happening now is um, just some great theater. Uh, I can't thank you enough for coming on the pro show and sharing your story with us, Will Dixon. We'll keep following along, all right? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Thanks a lot for everyone, everything, guys. You got it, man. Take care. I'll talk to you soon. All right. You got it. Bye. There we have it there, Mr. Wade Weezer. You know, unbelievable. Kids, that kid's a winner, that's for sure. There's no doubt about that. And you know who else is a winner? Who's that? That's our friends over at the New Jersey Golf Foundation. The charitable arm of the New Jersey PGA section is committed to positively impacting lives and communities through the game of golf. Led by PGA professionals, programming for youth, military veterans, and individuals with special needs provides the opportunity to experience the game in a welcoming environment. To support the New Jersey Golf Foundation or learn more about programs and special events, visit njgolffoundation.org or call 732-465-1212. Here we go. It's a little past quarter after here on in New York. Thanks for listening to ESPN 920. We'll be back in a moment with Discover Golf's Richard Franklin. Can't stop addicted to the shindig. Chop, chop, he says I'm going to win big. Keyshawn Johnson, Jay Williams, and Zubin Mahente. All NFL players get paid a lot. You're Keith. not going to get paid more than me, though, because I'm the guy when Keith, it comes Keith, to it. clearing it out. Y'all take care of business. Spoken like a true wide receiver. Way to go, Roscoe <laughs> well, Dinkins, team Mar- of me. Mar- his name is first on the show, so we get it. You know, we get it. <laughs> me, Sean, as they like to call me, for those that don't know me. But anyway. Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Zubin. Weekday mornings at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio or streaming live on the ESPN app. The New Jersey Golf Foundation, the charitable arm of the New Jersey PGA section, is committed to positively impacting lives and communities through the game of golf. With a focus on three core pillars, youth, military, and special needs, the NJGF delivers dynamic programming led by PGA professionals. So individuals from all backgrounds can experience the game of golf in a welcoming environment. An exciting new development is coming soon as the Inspiration Golf Range on the campus of the Lions VA Medical Center in Somerset County will serve as a new golf training facility for Special Olympics New Jersey. 
as well as the new home site for the PGA Hope, a rehabilitative golf program for veterans. To support the New Jersey Golf Foundation or learn more about programs and special events, please visit NewJerseyGolfFoundation.org or call 732-465-1212. That's NewJerseyGolfFoundation.org or 732-465-1212. Time to get back on course as the pro show continues. Great show and great questions. Once again, Keith Stewart. Welcome back to the Pro Show. I'm your host, Keith Stewart, and you're listening to ESPN 920. Now, the world is a changing place. The traditions of years ago just don't cut it anymore. And that's why I love our interview with an innovator. Richard Franklin is revolutionizing the way we engage kids, and they love it. Join me as we learn about how to connect with golf's next generation. Just weight on your shoulders. Pick it up, push it off, before you let yourself get colder. Just look into the eyes, the good eyes of a child. I see that love rise like a river and flow for a thousand miles. All right. I love that vibe there, a little Philly right there, Mr. Wade Weezer. Little G Love, I love it, man. And uh, you know what else I love? I love this Discover Golf invented by Richard Franklin. And we have him on the air right now. I met up with him at the PGA show and I was thoroughly impressed, so I had to have him on the pro show. Richard, welcome to the pro show this afternoon. How are you, bud? Keith, thank you so much. Great to be here. Appreciate uh, appreciate you having me on. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, I love to jump right into these interviews and I'm thinking about what I witnessed when you and I met at the show and it got me really excited about the season. But I wonder from your point of view, what are you most excited about heading into the springtime in 2022 when it comes to golf? Yeah, well, of course, I'm excited about uh, all of our Discover Golf programs across the country, inviting kind of a new a new kind of gamer golfer to the scene. So specifically working with four to twelve year olds. And I'm sure we're gonna get into this kind of the this new wave of junior golfer that's been exposed to the game with COVID and kind of the cultural moment that we're in. So yeah, lot lots to be excited about right now. All right. So let's just take a step back and, and give a little background for my listeners. When it comes to golf, how did Richard Franklin get connected to golf? Was there a mentor, a pivot moment? Talk to me. Uh, yeah, well, I, I was very fortunate as a, uh, as a young boy growing up, my parents are actually from Zimbabwe. So my folks grow up with Nick Price, who was number one in the world when I was an impressionable 12 year old there in Chicago, watching him win the Western open. So pretty hard to not have a, have a spark for the game when, uh, you're growing up with the world's best literally at the time. Oh man. I mean, all right. How about a, so you, at that age, give me a great Nick Price story. <laughs> there, there, there are several. I remember being in the backyard with him, and he says, uh, "He says, Rich, I'm going to tell you the secret of golf." I said, "Wow, okay, uh, ears open." So at that point, the 300-yard drive was, you know, the the number. And he said, "Well, there's a lot of things here, but ultimately, at the end of the week on the PGA Tour, it's the player that hits the middle of the face the most that wins." And so. He was kind of decoding a lot of stuff that we've now seen in TrackMan and and all this other data, and I think that little nugget was uh, what TrackMan said, right, is that players at that level are controlling their path and their club face, and they pretty much know the kind of geometry of the hit that they want. But if you don't hit the sweet spot, you got some gear effect. Hopefully I'm not going over the top here, but, uh, you know, little toe, little heel, little bottom, little top of the face can disrupt your intentions, and he was – keenly aware of that and and i will say 
as well, 1994, he told me, he said, there's this, there's this young guy, his name's Tiger Woods, and he's going to change the trajectory of the sport forever. So in 1994, six years before 2000, Nick Price knew that uh, the writing was on the wall. So, uh, you know, pr- pretty, uh, pretty, uh, pretty profound stuff from uh, Mr. Price there. No doubt about that. Now, I can tell by your vocabulary and my background as a PGA professional that you've done some teaching because people don't know those different aspects of either the club face path, you know, um, positioning, TrackMan data, etc. So you obviously have done some teaching in the golf swing, but then things progressed towards junior golf. How did that transition take place then? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, maybe surprises people. You know, I was working, well, I'll backtrack it just a little bit, played professionally, semi-professionally, uh, Canadian PGA Tour. I uh, was lucky enough to uh, get my butt kicked by Gary Woodland in a what was then a nationwide tour event. And you know, was uh, was obviously enamored with with the game and you know performance at as high a level as I possibly could, and parlayed that into some work with Mac O'Grady and Morad and Golfing Machine. If if those uh, ring true to some people, kind of a pre-technology look at the golf swing. You know, trying to figure out the geometry and then getting into 3D motion capture, um, and so really in the sort of tech space with analyzing the swing. And what I realized was that um, there was way more to this puzzle than just looking at the sort of resultant data. And so uh, couldn't think of more fertile ground to sort of unpack this, uh, quote unquote, more than just the data perspective than working with kids. So I I sort of looked through uh, the layer of technology uh, and wanted to do more at a, at a, again, a beginning golfer's age, four to seven, seven to 10, so that maybe we didn't have to be quite so reliant on patching up data later in life. Man. Okay. So that's a really cool perspective. As you're looking at that, a lot of times when people are looking at that kind of data, they just want to go further down the wormhole with the, the Tiger Woodses of the world or the, or the PGA tour LPGA players, you know, like the really elite players and instead, you wanted to go to the beginnings of golf, you know, where people, I guess, get their first misconceptions in the game. And, you know, how did you come up with that? Well, again, I think when you're when you're looking at the complexity of movement, right? And so, you know, I was seeking the counsel of uh, biomechanists and, you know, people in, you know, the movement and fitness space and trying to tie together this sort of like anatomical puzzle Again, I think if you're too far down the road, right, your, your, your body's not moving as well as you want it to. You haven't put in the practice. Uh, you maybe don't have a playful disposition towards, uh, you know, the, the whole sort of practice protocol that you have to undertake in a lifetime of golf, which I think that word playful we'll get to here in a second. Um, like I was saying, I think it's uh, too little too late at that point. So h- how do you really make a robust golfer um, that maybe learned a little bit more organically, um, that then you can, you can surely look at the data later, uh, but maybe it's more of just a reference point or it's a, uh, it's a timestamp of your best swing that you can refer back to rather than saying, Oh boy, I'm going to have to use data to totally rebuild a swing that again, maybe could have been built more resiliently early on in life. All right, folks. Now, if you're just tuning in with us, here's a quick reference point. We're talking to Richard Franklin, and he is the developer of Discover Golf. And 
you know, when I first met you at the PGA show and I got the, you know, kind of the, the title of the company, Discover Golf, my first instinct was that, okay, well, it's like someone discovering golf, but you are almost like, you know, like Magellan, you are kind of, kind of, kind of on this mission to discover more about the game through the eyes of a child. So now you develop this program, right? And this very unique approach. And, and one of the things I thought was cool, I pulled this off your website, you categorize it as ancient wisdom within a modern game based initiative. And, you know, to me, that's very interesting kind of perspective in a way. And I, I think is what really makes Discover Golf unique and why I wanted to talk to you today. So start to break down what Discover Golf is and your approach for my listeners, please. Yeah, no, thank you. Uh, I'll unpack that last thing you said. You know, I think what's really important is I think we as, let's say, purists or, or lovers of the game, you know, stewards of the game, we so want golf to be enmeshed in a child's life, right? We, we, we understand inherently the values of the game and the, the people that it connects you to, the, the places that it demands you visit. It's, it's really an amazing pursuit, and it's much bigger than the game. Now, unfortunately, I think the best way to ultimately get to have kids come to that conclusion is to not necessarily push let's say the cultural initiative of golf too quickly, too soon. So what, what do I mean by that? I think inherent to the game of golf, which is if we boil this down, it's, it's human stick ball, right? It's this fascination with moving this instrument ballistically to project a ball somewhere. The fascination of that sort of core loop of play is never going out of style. I think what we need to understand is, is in 2000, 22 and beyond your 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 child may not be as enamored with let's say the scorecard procedure right or the four hour procedure or the just the technicalities and the etiquettes of the game so i think what we want to do is say look let's let's just create a fascination what with what has always been so amazing about this this sport and then letting children sort of interpret for themselves what that means and then quite frankly because it's sort of democratized and, and we've seen that with the advent of top golf and simulator golf right all of these golf like derivatives let these let this new breed of junior golfer decide you know the kind of ways in which they're going to craft the golf experience going forward so i actually think it's empowering for not only the game of golf but for the kids that we work with to say this is really an open space for you to interpret rather than trying to wrap some preconceived cultural norm around it. That's not to say some juniors won't love the idea of, you know, going to Kiwa Island and collecting bag tags and doing the traditional golf approach. But I think we're going to find a, a way more fruitful um, kind of space here if we're just not so quick to decide exactly what this means for everybody. You know what? Um, I'm going to have you pause right there because I want to get deeper into this, how you came about this approach and, you know, more, more what it means culturally for everyone in the game and how this can really revolutionize things. But I got to take a quick break. So hold tight for a second. Okay, Richard. Sure. All right, folks, up next more with golf's coolest coach. We're going to find out more from Richard Franklin in a moment. Thanks for listening to ESPN 920. Peace, love, happiness. Mike Greenberg is Green.
Greeny. Chris Paul is one of those guys whose numbers, if you look at them, are so good that they almost seem made up. But, you know, he was never on the best team all those years in New Orleans, wasn't able to go to the Lakers, winds up on the Clippers, then they fell short. But now here he is, the veteran presence on this otherwise very young Phoenix team. It would mean everything to his legacy. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, weekday mornings at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio, and watch exclusively on ESPN+. Text and whatever, just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Is there a better feeling than winning a bet? Take it from a professional, a PGA professional like Keith Stewart. When it comes to wagering on golf, you need to know more than analytics. Stats are just a description of a player's habits. But what causes those habits to repeat? There are other elements you need to consider to raise your betting acumen. If you're the type of person who loves to learn and earn by wagering, then you must read the line. With an easy-to-understand newsletter format, in five minutes a week, you can bet with confidence, knowing the picks are made by a golf professional. Golf betting lacks an expert voice. Read the Line brings over 25 years of experience in the golf industry to every prediction. Players are not an exact science, and neither is betting. But when you consider the human element of the game alongside facts and figures, you'll be able to elevate your winning reputation. Go to ReadTheLine.com to subscribe, read, and win. That's ReadTheLine.com. What is dedication? I am the father of a nine-year-old little girl and a six-year-old little boy. And I find fatherhood both relentlessly challenging and relentlessly rewarding. My daughter is biological and my son is adopted. I love them both so much. From the morning when you wake up to putting them to bed at night, and every moment in between, it really is so special. And boy, is it exhausting. One thing that I fear about being a parent is the future for my children. I think a parent's job is to protect our children, but also prepare them for the world so they become good, kind human beings. But I'm also hopeful that the future holds a more inclusive and compassionate world for them. That's dedication. Find out more at fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. You got a great voice for radio. Time to get back on course. Thanks for radio. I, I, I get a lot of that too. As the pro show continues, once again, Keith Stewart. It's the pro show, and I'm Keith Stewart. Welcome back to our conversation with Richard Franklin. You know you're listening to New Jersey's ESPN 920. Now, there's no doubt my guest today is changing the game. But when we talk to visionary folks like him, I always tend to wonder what's next. All right, Wade Weezer, you know I love a great beat on a Friday afternoon. Let's see if our guest loves a great beat, too. Richard, what's on your agenda for the weekend? For me, uh, more coaching. All, all, always coaching. Got full full docket of uh, DG play activities this weekend. So uh, going to be out there in the trenches celebrating this great game of golf with uh, all of our students. Well, you know what? Then let's jump right back in there with your students and what you have learned through your behavioral research and a couple other different things that we discussed down in Orlando. And one of the things is that it, what really kind of gave me an aha moment it was when you talked about the the dopamine release that the kids get when they're doing um, your sort of approach when it comes to learning junior golf. So let's let's do a quick deep dive there. Don't get too technical for me, but I mean, you really impressed me in Orlando with how you capture kids' attention. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, no, look, I, I think at the end of the day, this is 
this is really well-founded research in, in all in all sort of human sciences, which is the simple fact that look, if if an activity is not emotionally resonant, right? If it's not packed with a either a positive or negative, hopefully not negative experience, the brain simply will not register it as important and therefore not recall it or remember it. So at, at our sort of 30,000 foot view, if our activities with a child or, or any student for, for that matter um, is not framed in a way that's going to elicit a positive emotional response, which can be mediated through, again, dopamine and, and, and other neurochemicals, then, um, you know, th- this gets back to the saying, you know, if a tree falls in the woods and, and nobody heard it, did it really fall down? Well, so if you have a great golf lesson, but there was no dopamine, did the golf lesson happen? And in my estimation, it did not because it quite literally won't be remembered. So we as Discover Golf coaches and hopefully coaches of the future are actually uh, way more humanistic in, in, in our, uh, in the lens that we look through when, when we coach, which again, I think you asked me about the future. You, you have this, these parallel paths, right? You have this path of simulator golf and technology and TrekMan and capturing data. But then on the other side, you have, if you were to use sort of the, the analogy of why vinyl records and board games are having a renaissance because things that are analog and based in emotion and human connection are thriving in parallel with a world that is becoming increasingly tech dependent. So I think you see the through line of that within Discover Golf uh, 100%. You know, there's an amazing evolution that just getting to know you today and a little bit there in Orlando that I'm starting to kind of piece together because it seems like you started out in a very technical sense. I mean, anyone that knows Morad or Mac O'Grady and, and that kind of the golfing machine, that kind of introspective look into the game is, is hyper-technical. And now you're starting to really get involved in the behavioral and the humanizing aspects of the game and, and the, the cultural influence it can have. I mean, how did that transition? To, tell me about that transition. I mean, when you look in the mirror, you know, 10 years apart from those two different individuals, I mean, what do you see? Well, so, yeah, I mean, I think th- this is really the amazing opportunity that we as coaches have going forward is you have these these men and women that are coaching in all realms. We'll, we'll stick with golf for the sake of the show. That really want to do better by their students, of course. And you have these people that are intellectually curious and they want to dig in and figure this stuff out. You know, the the my contention is take that intellectual curiosity, take that desire to want to make people better and to connect with people and channel that towards, let's just say, the formal systems. And I say that because this is understandable phenomenon. Channel that interest into the human experience, right? Don't just say, you know, don't just throw blanket words like fun or engagement or whatever sort of just platitude you want to throw at it. Really go in there and study what makes things playful what makes people actually engage at the neurochemical level how are ways in which you can modulate you know the behavioral setting right so that emotion is present so that learning happens at a richer rate so i think what we're trying to do is formalize right or systematize the human experience right and look at it as a rigorous study that it is rather than only accept data or technology 
as the only form of rigor available to coaches. How about that, folks? That's Richard Franklin right there. And now you understand why I had to have him on the pro show and, you know, speak out to so many coaches and parents and operate golf course operators that are out there. And one of the most unique things that I found as a former golf course operator for over 25 years was this turnkey aspect that Richard has touched upon in his service to the game. And, you know, you talk about formal systems, the golf's more popular than ever right now. And but yet staffing can't almost keep up. You know, you got to let people know. I mean, I think this is the greatest selling point about Discover Golf is that you can provide coaches to facilities in order to help them grow their junior golf program, which would really be the lifeblood of the facility. That That is correct. I mean, that's really where we are as a company right now. And, and again, I think this I'd like to touch on one other little through line here, because you're you're talking about an industry right now, like most industries that are in a bit of a staffing crisis. And what I'm suggesting is that, again, traditional golf culture, as much as we love it and endorse it and appreciate it, let's just say that it's not always the most accessible sort of format for maybe golf-adjacent young people, right? You've got these amazing, emotionally intelligent humans that appreciate golf, but would never think of themselves as people that would work at a golf course. Hey, Richard, let me jump in there real quick for a second um, because I want to make sure that you say your piece here on the pro show. I do not endorse traditional golf thinking. I do not live in the ivory tower and I do not wear a Navy blue blazer. So you let it fly, man, because what you're doing helps facilities grow the game. So this is really an important point is that if you want to see golf become the thing that we all believe it can be, which is celebrated and honored by all kinds of people, it's going to start at this level. And so what I'm really excited about is that we've got so many young people, 17 to 25 years old, that would have not otherwise found themselves in the game of golf, that are looking at their opportunity here within Discover Golf to empower kids through the medium of play, through the medium of golf, working at a golf facility, right? Getting all of the wonderful benefits of working outside and being with the amazing people that patron golf, but not necessarily subscribing to the PGA of America or the golf culture initiative at large. And so this is really, I think, an inflection point and an amazing place to be where we can community center at golf courses. We can have new people being introduced to the game. We can educate we can explore, we can use every inch of a green grass facility rather than just demarcate a driving range for rote repetition. There is so much more we can do. And I'm really, really inspired and honored that so many people and young coaches, you know, want to take this journey with me. Well, I know you're going to inspire a lot more people today. So real quick, let us know where we can find out how to contact you. Is there a website, social media? Let my listeners know. Yep, at Discover Golfer on Instagram. Um, discovergolf.co is a great place to find us on our webpage. Uh, we're, we're building it out uh, quickly as we speak. And again, you know, if, if you're a facility that has always wanted a junior golf program and just feel like you're kind of just doing status quo, the custodial approach, we're doing it the same way we've always done it and you want to really go for something remarkable, and you want to bring more kids to the game of golf than you've ever been able to before, that's where you need to go, and, and, and we'll, uh, we'll guide you every step of the way. 
Richard, that's just awesome. I mean, uh, you and I could go on in, in this show for 45, 50 minutes just about all the cool things that Discover Golf represents. But, folks, I really encourage you. And if you can, if, if you want, you can even reach out to me. I can get you in touch with Richard personally. I mean, this guy is really going to change the game, and I think it's pretty cool. Now, uh, one of the things here on the pro show is that we do not take the custodial approach. And we have a little fun with our guests as we close out each interview. And we do a little rapid-fire Q&A. So you up for this here, Richard? I don't think I have a choice, so let's let's bring it. All right, here we go. What's your favorite kids' board game? Kids' board game. Um, Oh, kids' board game. Uh, I'm going to say... Oh, you really threw me off with that one. Um, God, there's just so many. Like, what genre? What are we... Uh, I'm going to say Hungry Hippo. Early stage dexterity game. Uh, if you could go back in time, where and when would you go? Back in time. Would not want to do that. Pre- the present moment is everything I'm looking forward. Name a guilty pleasure you have. Dark chocolate. What is your hidden talent? Uh, poetry. Name the most inspiring person you have met in the last year or so. Martin Sapolsky. Did you make your bed this morning? Yes. If you had to give someone a book you read, which one would it be? Play Reconsidered. It's a uh, it, it's a look at uh, okay yeah Play Reconsidered. Who wrote it? Um, his name is Thomas Henricks. All right, folks, look that one up now. Do you have any phobias? Yes, not uh, my phobia would be not becoming the person that I aspire to be. When you hear the word visionary, who is the first person that comes to mind? Nelson Mandela. Oh, man, what a great answer. You know what? That's tremendous. And this interview has been tremendous. I can't thank you enough for coming on the pro show this afternoon and sharing with all my listeners. Richard, you are awesome. Thank you so much, Keith. Really appreciate the opportunity. Hey, we'll have you back sometime. Just get all those junior golf programs started this spring, and when you catch a lull this summer, um, we'll talk about it some more. Okay, my friend? I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Here we roll into 4 o'clock, everybody. Thanks for listening to ESPN 920. We're coming back up to wrap today's show with the weekly update. The Max Kellerman Show. You know, there was no one there like, hey, where's that guy we just hired? He just stopped showing up suddenly 15 years ago. So he got away with it, 650 Gs. And now he's being sued. I don't know. You can't just not show up for work. But but if he's not, like, doing anything fraudulent and they're just sending him the checks, why wouldn't he just deposit it in his account? The Max Kellerman Show, weekdays at 2 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Watch exclusively on ESPN+. Join the thousands of golfers who already call Stick and Hack their home for the best golf stories, original podcasts, special events, member perks, and an active community of golfers across North America. Up until now, the golf media landscape lived somewhere between straight PGA coverage or idiots wrecking golf carts. We take a different approach by celebrating all sides of golf, 
life, and all the ways this amazing game connects sticks and hacks every day. Your free membership entitles you to discounts from major brands all over the country while connecting you with like-minded golfers for discussion, tips, or even a round of golf. So head to stickandhack.com and enjoy the world's greatest golf club without the course. Hi, I'm Danica Patrick. Watching my nieces grow, play, and learn is amazing, but not every child gets to be carefree. One in six kids in the U.S. are hungry. This breaks my heart, and it's something that Feeding America is working to change. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste and gives it to families in need. To help, visit feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Get ready for the back nine. As the pro show continues, once again, the director of fun, Keith Stewart. Welcome back to the pro show on ESPN 920. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. I'm your host, Keith Stewart, and it's so refreshing to talk to folks like Richard with so much passion. All right, Wade, drop it down. I got a couple things to cover here. Podcast this afternoon from this show, Spotify, Podbean, Amazon, Stitcher, iTunes. It'll be out there. I'll get it up tonight, folks. Social media, hit me up at, at KJ Stewart PGA or read the line, either one. We got plenty of stories to tell you. Um, if you want to listen to the show anywhere and stream it worldwide, 920ESPNNewJersey.com. Hit us there. And as always, go to readtheline.com, subscribe, read, and win. Thankfully, the February weather is just about over. So for us up in the Northeast, the dog days of winter are getting closer to an end. So forget that groundhog and turn up the volume. I can't wait for it to be over. The dog days are over. The dog days are done. The horses are coming, so you better run. Run fast for your mother, run fast for All right. I don't care whether March comes in like a lion and leaves like a lamb or the reverse. Let's put February in the rearview mirror, my friend there, Wade Weezer. Don't go away mad, Winter. Just go away. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, let's uh, let's jump right into this update because we got two very, very interesting individuals to dissect this afternoon. But before we do that, as we approach this 2022 golf season, I want to remind you about our friends at TaylorMade. Because over the past 40 years, golfers have inspired TaylorMade to make a lot of great drivers. But as we all know, eventually they reach their limit. TaylorMade has been hard at work making the next generation of drivers because where titanium ends, carbon begins. 20 years in the making, the carbonwood age is here. Head on over to TaylorMadeGolf.com to learn more about how the all-new Stealth's driver, 60-layer carbon face, will give you better energy transfer for more ball speed. Get to that website, everybody. That's TaylorMadeGolf.com. All right there, Mr. Wade Weezer. You have it. It's the weekly update brought to you by Live Golf Enterprises. <laughs> and we have had ourselves one heck of a week from two of golf's most legendary figures. I, I don't I mean, I know everybody loves a redemption story. And and after this one all plays out someday, I I honestly don't know where it'll go. And so this is like, is this the roots of a redemption story? Uh, this is definitely the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> this is the seller right here. This is the part you need. It's actually necessary for the redemption. Yes. All right, everybody. I'm going to hit you with the Reader's Digest version. 
So last Monday, heading into Genesis, this was Kramer Hickok goes on a podcast and says, hey, they've got a bunch of guys signed up. That Tuesday, Jason Kokrak says, why wouldn't I do this? It's great for my family and everything. PGA Tour press conferences are rolled out by the PGA Tour, and you've got Morikawa and everybody go on there and saying, I'm not doing this. And they line up one after another. And Tuesday was a busy day because that was the day that Alan Shipnuck dropped those Phil comments that were um, part of you know his book. And we, all, we went through those last week. So then we get to Sunday. Fast forward to Sunday. So we, we, fa- we jumped through the pro show last week. And we get to Sunday. And Bryson comes out on Twitter and social media and says, I'm not with the Saudi Golf League. Right. Followed quickly by DJ saying, I'm not with the Saudi Golf League. And then for all intents and purposes, on a Sunday in February, it seems as if the Saudi Golf League um, is in the coffin and it's dead and buried. But oh, no, not so fast, my friend. Our friend, Mr. Phil Mickelson. No, no, he's coming at some (laughs) point. But our friend, Mr. (laughs) Phil Mickelson, comes out with his own statement. And what I I can't even use the word apology, but this definitely serves for the young kids out there listening on what not to do when you're going to make an apology statement. Right. Yes. Here you go. So um, with his own um, logo at the top of the post, which I thought was really classy. uh, And and you know what? I'm a Phil fan when he's, you know, has the thumb up and he's signing autographs and everything. But, you know, when Phil is like verbally accosting Tom Watson at a Ryder Cup press conference, I, I don't know. I'm just not on the fence with him there. I'm not really with him there. So um, in this apology, let's just go through it real quick. He uh, he claims he's he's working for the best interests of golf. He blames the journalist. Uh, He reiterates that there's problems with golf. He claims victim status. He also claims that the Saudis that he's working with are visionaries. Um, He wants to place himself on the same side as these visionaries. Uh, He wants to take the high road for the sponsors and allow them the uh, flexibility to walk away from him. It's okay. You have my permission, Wade, to no longer sponsor me. Okay. Uh, (laughs) He he did this typical one, which is, I'm sorry you all took this the wrong way, which which is not saying I'm sorry. Right. Um, He wanted to reaffirm uh, with the players that the Saudis, right, were acting in their best interests. And uh, at the end of the day, he was all, he also said that he's under a lot of pressure over the last 10 years and that he's struggling with some things. And then he ended it by saying, I'll see you later. Shut up, shut up, shut up. Um, I, I could think of a different thing that Phil said that's <laughs> more characteristic of um, this moment in time. You know, it's uh, it's uh, it's unbelievable. You know, I, I I don't even know what to say. Um, does this uh, does this ring a bell? I, I still am. In oh, yeah. shock that I did that. I just, I just can't believe that that I did that. I'm, I am uh, such an idiot. That seems sincere. I mean, that of all things should have been his. It, that should have been his apology of right. all things, right? But of course, that was only Tuesday, and uh, they had a mandatory players meeting on Tuesday night, PGA Tour, and Jay Monahan. All 144 players at the Honda had to attend. They were there. And Jay Monahan opened it up with like about a 10 minute soliloquy, at which time he laid down the law and he said, you know what? There are going to be no rival leagues. If you want to go play for one, the door is right there. Mm-hmm. Go walk out. That's it. And I mean, I have that from any number of resources, including wow, the Golf Channel, that that's what he said. Something. Right. Well, as that was taking place. That was actually supposedly Phil dropped on Twitter. People look at this stuff about two minutes after the start of that meeting is when Phil dropped his apology on Twitter. Okay. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I'm such an idiot. All right. So then we get a letter that that's released yesterday um, that Greg Norman sent to Jay Monahan. 
And uh, yeah, oh yeah, dear Commissioner Monahan, surely you jest, and surely your le- your lawyers at the PGA Tour must be holding their breaths. I mean, that's the opening line to this. Surely you jest. Surely you jest. Yeah, I know. It's like we're watching airplane all over again. <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable. And this whole letter, you can go online and read it. But basically, the closing of it all is that, um, Commissioner, this is just the beginning. It is certainly not the end. Wow. Sincerely. I, sincerely, Greg Norman. Yeah, sincerely. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, there's a lot going on here. And you know what? I I know that you're a big fan of pop culture, just like me. And I've been kind of going through this thing. And as it all plays out, you know, Phil, when he when he makes the comments to Alan Shipnuck, he he basically says this was a leverage play that he was working both sides. Okay. so he wins the PGA championship and he's obviously in talks with the Saudis over building this league. And he wants to take on the PGA tour because he wants to improve everyone's quality of life. Well, I I think that that's great and that's admirable. Right. But there's ways to go about that. And you would think after some of the things that Phil had done in his career, like the Ryder Cup thing, that like you could do it behind closed doors. Like, why do you have to do it in the public eye and start embarrassing people or calling people out? I mean, it's just there's no point in being that level of controversial if you really want to make change and you want to do it the right way. So he's building this thing. And then fast forward to November and they signed Greg Norman to run this thing. And now he's probably like, oh, my God, like this thing is real. Yeah. Like this wasn't just a leverage play anymore. And so now they have the press conference, the famous press conference in November that we covered. And, you know, they say like this league's happening. And now Phil's like, oh, my God, like I am so deep with the Navarro cartel here, okay? I'm so deep with the Saudis. I don't know what to do, right? Like, so he calls up Alan Shipnuck and he starts saying all these crazy things to him who's writing his autobiography, or his biography, the unofficial autobiography of Phil, right? And he puts all this stuff on record, which is almost like the way that like he can get himself out of it, right? He's going to take a major hit for that, but at least he's upfront about the fact that, you know, hey, I'm not going down a road with either of these people, mm-hmm. right? Like there's got to be a way to get out. And it, it almost does remind me of, as I just alluded to there, um, you watch Ozark at all? Sure do. Oh man. So like, you know, Marty and Wendy Bird, they get in it with the Navarro <laughs> cartel, right? And then the show is great because they just can't get out. Right. No. And I feel like that's where Phil is in all of this. I feel like, you know, I mean, the guy claims that golf's in a bad place. In 2020, I personally witnessed 50 million extra rounds just at Springdale. You know, I mean, we've got last week's champion was from Chile. We've got four streaming channels every week that cover the PGA Tour for ESPN+. Plus. We've got a $12 million U.S. Open women's purse. We've got Monday Q School stories. We've got all of these things going on. But no, golf is suffering. Come on, Phil. you got to be kidding me, man. And then these guys are all going after the money. And then he's he's in he's in bed with, you know, it, it just, mm-hmm. it, you could see how at the end of the day, when you get in over your head, you have to make a desperate move. And that's my take on it because otherwise, you know, Phil always tries to, you know, put himself out there as the smartest man in the room, right? So maybe he still is. Maybe he was playing both sides, folks, and he's doing it all the wrong way, but maybe this is his way to get out. We'll see. I mean, we will definitely see. I mean, there'll be more on this to come. But, of course, as we all say on every Friday afternoon, that's your Pro Show update for the week ending February 25th, 2022. Thanks for all that uh, 
expert work on the board there this afternoon. Getting in our live caller was pretty fun, too. So, Wade Weezer, appreciate all you do. You have a great weekend, my friend. My listeners, I hope you had a great time this afternoon. Now, you know, before I go, I'm going to leave you all with one brief thought about sharing goodwill. True benevolence comes when you wish someone well without necessarily knowing how they are feeling. I'm your host, Keith Stewart, and this is, of course, The Pro Show. Thanks for joining us for today's show. The Pro Show with Keith Stewart returns to the team next Friday at 3 on ESPN 920.